Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 25 of Genesis chapter 3, and we're reading verses 17 through 19. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. In our last Bible study, we saw that God here is... Uh, using Adam and the curse that he places upon Adam and upon the earth. As, as it says, cursed is the ground. And the Hebrew word translated as ground is also translated as earth. Cursed is the earth for thy sake. God is pronouncing the punishment upon man, Adam, and all his descendants for sin. And, and, of course, we know that that punishment includes death. In the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. But it involves the curse, the curse upon the creation on the earth, the, the struggle that man will have uh, for the rest of their time living in this curse creation in... Um, obtaining their food, in in uh, getting their meat. And there has been numerous struggles throughout the centuries as uh, at times God has withheld the rain or there has been other uh, difficulties and, and so famines have resulted and, and people have starved to death in some places in certain eras and ages and at certain times. And so man has often had a great concern for obtaining his bread, for for gathering the food that comes out of the ground. And, and it, it has been in sorrow oftentimes and even in lands of blessing, even at times when God has given plentiful rain. And the seasons have produced bountiful crops. There is still struggle and difficulty when men work. They have often experienced tribulation and trials and affliction through the work that they do. It has been labor intensive and, and very hard work for much of the world's history. Mankind has struggled to put bread on the table. Now, while we know that is true, yet we also know 
that God is painting a spiritual picture through Adam, who is the figure of him that is the come, and and here Adam is the husbandman. And and God, the Bible tells us in John 15, is the husbandman. And so the husbandman will bring forth a crop. And the crop comes out of the cursed ground. The ground gives forth thorns and thistles, but it also brings forth herb. And and God said in Hebrews 6 that the herb relates to blessing. And, And so cursing and blessing comes out of the ground. It's similar to the idea of the wheat and the tares. There there are the saved um, that the wheat typifies, and there are the unsaved that the tares typify. And so this is the harvest of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christ, the sower, sows the seed through his people, bringing the gospel into the world at various points of his program of the times and seasons, and he will bring forth the fruit, and it's done in sorrow, just like childbirth is accomplished through sorrow. The the bringing forth of God's elect to salvation, to their obtaining the inheritance that the Lord Jesus wrought for them from the foundation of the world, is always done in sorrow. And then we looked at verse 19. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. And we saw the word sweat relates and identifies with the sweat, the, the great drops of blood as sweat that were falling from Christ when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and at that time he was experiencing the wrath of God. And, and so we saw that the word sweat, therefore, identifies with someone under the wrath of God. And then the word face. And, and I would encourage you to look up this word. It's Strong's number 639. And we saw how it's translated as nostrils and anger and wrath. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 uh, especially had a verse that identified with the wrath of God. And uh, let's just look at a couple of other places where this Hebrew word translated as face is translated as wrath. In Psalm 2, it says in verse 5, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. In Psalm 2, verse 12, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and he perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. In both verses, the word wrath is the word translated as face. Or Psalm 90, the Psalm of Moses, it says in verse 7, For we are consumed by thine anger... And by thy wrath are we troubled. And in verse 11, Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Again and again and again. uh, Dozens and dozens and dozens of times when you look up this word, you find the word anger and wrath. 
and even nostrils associated with the fury of God against sin. And this is the word, this is the word that God selected to put in Genesis 3.19. Now, if it were uh, the idea of just sweat pouring down the face, why didn't God use the word face? There's a very good Hebrew word used uh, many, many times for face. But it's not that word. It's the word wrath. Wrath and anger. In the sweat of thy wrath. And, and again, sweat relates to being under the wrath of God. So we, we have these two words that are really identified with one another. In, in the sweat of thy wrath. But again, the translators, you know, you know, uh, being a translator of the Bible, was a difficult task and that's for sure and and so they they had the context and and they saw um that God is speaking to Adam and and Adam has sinned and and God has been talking about uh the the cursed ground and thorns and thistles and then he uses the word sweat and, of course, the translators know that when you work the ground, when you have a farm, there there's um, a great deal of labor involved and you sweat. And, and, and so, naturally, the sweat comes down on your face. And, and so, God permitted them to make that translation, but the word face is wrong. It is not correct at all. It is in the sweat of... Thy nostrils, that would be acceptable, or but better is in the sweat of thy wrath. And then it goes on to say, shalt thou eat bread? And, and again, how do you eat bread? Well, here, God has been speaking of the ground. And it is through sowing the seed and, and harvesting the crop that you obtain your food. And you eat your bread. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is likened to bread. In John chapter 6, it says in verse 48, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. And and uh, it goes on, and we will go back there to look at another verse. But there's a strong emphasis in John 6 that Christ is the bread. The manna that fell from heaven was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. Just as physical bread sustains man's physical life, Jesus is spiritual bread that sustains spiritual life. If you, if you lack physical bread, you will die. Ultimately, if you lack spiritual bread, you will die. You will die the second death and, and you will not live forever. And that's in God's gospel program. 
when he saves his elect, they eat bread. And it is a result of Christ suffering under the wrath of God. And, and again, when sweat was dropping as great drops of blood into the ground, that was a picture of the Lord Jesus giving his life for his people as, as, um, the life is in the blood and it went into the ground because, um, the, the believers would be the fruit that would come forth. And actually it's a better illustration with the verse in John where it speaks of a corn of wheat, um, falling into the ground. And, uh, I'm going to read that again in John chapter 12 and in verse 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So as the corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies through its death, much fruit comes forth. There, there's more wheat that, that results. And as Christ died, his blood, his life was given and, and went into the ground. Then all of the whole company of the elect, everyone whose name that, uh, was recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, everyone that God predestinated out of the mass of, of humankind to be saved, would become saved, and it's as though they come forth out of the ground. So that's one way we can look at, in the sweat of thy wrath, shalt thou eat bread. And and all the elect, all the true believers, um, do eat the bread of life, who is the Lord Jesus. And also in another way, when when a man plants a crop, does he not eat of the crop? We read in the Bible, it's actually a principle that the Bible establishes that the, the, the harvest man eats of his own crop. And so, in a sense, when the fruit comes forth, God is partaking of it in a way. But there's, there's also another way of looking at this. And uh, when we understand that the word eat, the word eat, which is most often translated as eat. It's Strong's number 398 in the Hebrew. And you'll find, yes, it's translated as eat many times. But it's also translated as devour several times. For instance, in Isaiah chapter 5, in verse 24, in the first part of the verse... Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff. And the word devoureth is that same Hebrew word translated as eat. As, as the fire eats the stubble. And we can see why the translators translate it as devour rather than eat. It's used that way also in Ezekiel chapter 15 where it says um, in verse 3, Shall wood be taken thereof to do any work? Or will men take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? Behold, it is cast into the fire for fuel, 
the fire devoureth both the ends of it, and the midst of it is burned. Is it meat for any work? Behold, when it was whole, it was meat for no work. How much less shall it be meat yet for any work? When the fire hath devoured it, and it is burned. And in both verse 4 and verse 5, the word devoureth and devoured is the word translated as eat. Also, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy 4 verse 24, it says, For Jehovah thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. The word consuming is that same Hebrew word. He's a eating fire. Uh, but, of course, that doesn't sound proper or correct. So, so the translators rightly translate it as consuming fire. And um, there is also another verse in Deuteronomy that, that is very similar. So um, we can see how it's possible to translate the word eat as devour or consume. Now, since uh, the, the verse is speaking of eating bread, it made sense that, that instead of consuming or devouring bread, they, they translated in a way that it is translated oftentimes as eat. But let, let's go back to John 6 concerning bread. We know that Jesus said that he is the bread. Again, in verse 48, I am that bread of life. And then in verse 50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Well, in verse 51, it says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. And then in verse 53, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed." And my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Well, there, Christ is making the comparison, or the the equivalency, really, between the bread and his flesh. Bread is his flesh. You have to eat his flesh and drink his his blood. And so... When we go back to our verse in Genesis 3, verse 19, where we've seen that Adam is a figure of Christ, and in the sweat of thy wrath, the the wrath of God that came down upon the Lord Jesus, and Jesus, as the high priest, poured out the wrath upon himself. He offered up himself. He uh, he, uh, sacrificed himself. And the, the priest in the temple, would slay the sacrificial animal. So God was slaying the lamb from the foundation of the world. 
Well, Christ is one with the Father. He, he is slaying the Lamb, and yet He is the Lamb. Well, we can't understand that, but we can also see that in the sweat of thy wrath shalt thou consume my flesh. You, you see, if you translate the word eat, or, or, uh, as consume, or devour, and, and, uh, that relates to the wrath of God, our God is a consuming fire. The, the fire devours the stubble or wood in the flame. Then we see how it fits with Christ as the bread of life. And the bread that he gives is his flesh. In the sweat of thy wrath shalt thou consume my flesh. Which is, according to John 6, the bread that came down from heaven. And it's equivalent to that. And then we have a spiritual statement that all comes together and fits. Each part ties in with one another. Well, then it goes on to say, until thou return unto the ground. And that is, until you die. And isn't that the case when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane? He began to uh, be very heavy and and being in agony, and and as we saw, the the drops of sweat fell from his face as blood to the earth or to the ground, and that's because he was suffering under the wrath of God, and it would continue up until he went to the cross, and then on the cross. The Lord Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he gave up the ghost. He died. And yes, he went in, uh, they placed his body in the tomb. And, but he was no longer suffering the wrath of God. Uh, although the figure was three days and three nights. And so, uh, his body had to wait until that third day, early Sunday morning, to rise from the dead. But, it, it, as it says here, In the sweat of thy wrath shalt thou consume my flesh until or till thou return unto the ground, until you die. And Christ died on the cross. It was finished. And so the sweat of the wrath of God had consumed his flesh in that sense, and then it ceased. And it goes on to say, at the end of verse 19, For out of it wast thou taken, that is the ground, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And um, when we look up the word dust, we find that when we search it out, with the Lord Jesus Christ in mind, to a Messianic psalm, Psalm 22. In in Psalm 22, it says in verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. It, that, that's what Jesus quoted on the cross before eventually saying, it is finished. And and so we know 
that this psalm is telling us about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, there are several statements in the psalm that relate to the experience uh, Jesus endured. In verse 13, it says, They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Now there uh, we, we see it's referring to Christ and his experiencing the wrath of God on the cross and really the the entire time of his suffering under the wrath of God. And God makes the statement, Thou hast brought me into the dust of death, which fits in with what Genesis 3.19 is telling us, For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Returning to dust identifies with death, and Christ died uh, in the tableau as he made demonstration of his death from the foundation of the world. And, and just to verify that it is pointing to Jesus on a cross, look at verse 16 of Psalm 22. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked having closed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me, they part my garments among them, and cast lots upon my vesture. Each one of those statements, they pierce my hands and feet, and I may tell my bones, and 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 they part of my garments, you'll find in the gospel record. And so at that time, Christ was brought unto the dust of death. And, and that fits in perfectly with what we found overall in this verse with the word sweat and, and the word, um, face that should have been translated wrath and, and so forth. It's a messianic reference to the Lord Jesus Christ that he will be the fruit of the harvest and he is the first of the first fruits in God's um, illustration of his salvation with with his um, harvest and, and the times and seasons. The early righteous rain brings forth the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so we're not surprised that, that we find that in view when we look into the deeper spiritual meaning of Genesis 3 and verse 19. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.